agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. The government Welcome to The Politics Guys, the place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at North Kentucky University. I'm joined today by Cleveland Area Attorney and Republican factotum, Jay Carson. Hey, Jay. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I am like uh, fireworks going off behind the Washington Monument. Ah, they spelling out Carson in big letters. I don't (laughs) know. It's a thrilling sight. Absolutely. Well, um, I don't think there's a Hatch Act violation there, so we should be good to go. Anyway, uh, before we do get started, I want to just thank everyone who's given uh, given me feedback on our new series, that 2020 election series I'm doing with the NKU students in a special class I have. And so if you do have any questions or comments, this is, like I said, a brand new thing for us, for me. And so I would love any kind of feedback, especially questions for the students. Uh, they're looking forward to that. And again, you know how to get in touch. Just Mike at, at Mike at politicsguys.com. Thanks. And also, I want to thank our newest sustaining supporters, Taylor, Kim, Kimberly, Susan, Michelle, and Josh. And Kim wrote That's in. A lot this, of people. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been, I've been, you know, we've been off for three weeks, so I haven't had a chance to do this. So there you go. It happens. It, they they stack up like, like cordwood right. or something. I don't know, but we do appreciate it. Especially when we're off. You know, <laughs> especially when we're off. <laughs> anyway, Kim wrote in to say, I found your podcast a couple months ago now, and I recommend it to anyone who will listen. I don't have to explain to you how toxic our current news and social media can be. So instead, I will thank you for being the change that we both want to see in the world right now. Wow. Thank you very much. Very cool. And of course, as a Patreon supporter, you don't only get that second full-length episode every week. You also get ad-free versions of anything that has ads in it that we're doing, as well as other things at different levels of support. And of course, if a monthly support pledge is too much of a commitment, there's also PayPal where you can make a one-time Pledge of support. And finally, if you would like all of this bonus content uh, and you, know, you can't really afford to support the show right now, not a problem. Send me an email, mike at politicsguys.com. And I'll make sure you get access to everything we're putting out. But for everyone else, just go to politicsguys.com slash support or patreon.com slash politicsguys. Thank you guys so much for that support. All right, yeah, I guess we're ready to get, get the ball rolling. Yeah. So our our first story uh, today is we're obviously going to talk about the Republican National Convention, um, which, again, was an unconventional convention um, uh, due to our our, our current situation. Um, It featured uh, Trump, Trump and more Trump, uh, as you might (laughs) expect, Um, but also uh, featured some some addresses by uh, uh, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, uh, who who sort of stepped up and and gave the. sort of the inclusiveness pitch, I'd call it, uh, as well as the Attorney General of of Kentucky, uh, who gave a uh, really sort of a different, I think, take on on African-Americans who would uh, pitch to support Trump. Uh, Also included was Mike Pompeo, with uh, not without some uh, uh, controversy, uh, in that Secretaries of State typically do not appear or speak uh, at a a national uh, political convention. Uh, it uh, also included things like a naturalization ceremony, a pardon of uh, one of the speakers, um, uh, as well as uh, some some regular Americans uh, talking about uh, Trump policies. Now, the uh, controversy uh, related to, all, of course, uh, Trump's has a, a, a I guess, a difficulty 
and, and we can talk about this, and I don't want to mess it up in the news part of it, but of, of sort of separating Trump from uh, the United States government. Um, uh, so many things were filmed, at, uh, were filmed uh, I guess, broadcast from the, the White House. Uh, the naturalization ceremony was, of course, a government action. Uh, and uh, it raised questions regarding uh, the Hatch Act, which prohibits the use of or prohibits certain federal employees from electioneering and campaigning. Um, uh, so, so, Mike, you know, given all that, um, and, and I'll, I'll weigh in with, with my thoughts in a minute, but um, first, what, what were your overall impressions of, of the new type of convention, I guess? Um, and, uh, secondly, uh, do you think it's, it's effective? And I, I should, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll put in my stuff. In a minute. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it would be good if we talked about the, the convention, the message of the convention and its effect separately from the Hatch Act issue. And so I'm glad yeah. you kind of want to do that. So, uh, in terms of what I think in general about the convention, and I didn't get a chance to talk about, you know, last week's, uh, the previous week's democratic convention. As a political scientist, I know that conventions don't really matter all that much in terms of moving voters. They're largely preaching to the choir. And, and I would expect in our current political environment, they might matter less than ever with so many more people being you know, solidified one side or the other. There might be a bump here or there. But honestly, I, I don't really expect this to change things a whole heck of a lot. Uh, so that's kind of my political scientist hat. But in terms of the message, I, I think the message was more or less exactly what I would have expected. Donald Trump played to his strengths. And, and Donald, Donald Trump's great strength, I think, is playing how well he plays to negative emotions like fear, anger and resentment. You know, I see Donald Trump as a Republican as sort of the anti Ronald Reagan in, in that sense. And that's what he does best. And that's what he's natural at. And so the convention was you know, was focused around that sort of message. Uh, the second thing I guess I would say in terms of message is this was unusual in that typically what incumbent presidents running for reelection do is they focus on mainly on touting their record. But that's challenging for Donald Trump uh, because, well, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic that a large majority of people in polls say that the government, the federal government has mishandled the economies in recession due to the pandemic. And the only really major legislative accomplishment that the president has, that's the 2017 tax cuts. In the most recent polling I could find, it has around two thirds public disapproval. And so given all that, he kind of has to run his reelection campaign as an insurgent again, you know, make America great again again, as the sort of awkward message uh, of Mike Pence has it. So that to me is totally expected. You know, I didn't I didn't think it would be anything different than what it was about. The only thing that I guess not really shocked me anymore, I might be beyond being shocked, is the extent to which the president violated, if not the law, and I don't think there were legal violations, but violated norms of campaigning in some of the actions that you mentioned, the, the pardons, the naturalizations, the uh, campaigning uh, uh, you know, from the White House, that sort of thing. So that's my general take. So well, let's, let's take a couple of those because I, I on, on things, let's let's say the naturalization um, uh, uh, and, and setting aside the, the Hatch Act piece, um, that would seem to run contrary to the the idea of the of 
sowing fear and discord, right? I mean, this is, he's Euro people and he's welcoming them uh, as citizens and uh, so forth. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I push back a little bit on, um, certainly there was a law and order uh, message throughout, which, which I think you'd expect. I mean, it's kind of not surprising that that's what he's chosen is, is what he's going to run on. Um, but you're right, Jay, let me, I, let me I, just, let me just jump in and, and say, yeah. you're, you're right about that. There certainly were elements of the convention that focused on that sort of thing. And there were elements even of president Trump's, uh, unusually long acceptance speech that focused on that sort of thing. Yeah. So yes, I, I, I misspoke. I should have said that I saw that as the focus, but not the entirety of it. And so I want to just clarify there. So yes, you're absolutely right about that. Not, not, not always sowing fear. Um, the, you know, I think other commentators have noted this, there was actually a, a bigger outreach uh, to minorities than you've seen in a lot of prior Republican conventions. Uh, and, and one reason for that is I think there's, there's a sense of, uh, look, if, if Trump can swing uh, the minority vote in just a few places, uh, that might be significant. Now, Republicans are never going to win the, uh, the black vote. Um, at least not anytime soon. Um, but it, it's a matter of if if a, a, a percentage of it moves, Trump Trump actually did better than a lot of uh, other Republicans. Now you can there's also I think there's there's a lot of um, uh, ways you can you can look at that and sort of looks at how, how the numbers you can say, well, he, he did uh, um, he did better than any Republican only when, you know, uh, Barack Obama wasn't on the ballot, that kind of thing. Um, but nevertheless, it was it was there, whether it works or not. Uh, now, moving to the the other Hatch Act stuff, I, I would tend to agree with you. I don't think there were Hatch Act violations, um, but God was it tacky. Uh, I guess you know, sort yeah. of the uh, my sense of it. And, and just just to be clear, the Hatch Act it, number one, the Hatch Act exempts the president and the vice president yes. in that because the assumption is sort of everything the president does is is political. Yeah, and it, it, the Hatch Act says that. Uh, uh, to kind of paraphrase that officials shouldn't you know, cannot use their official position to influence the election. And that's and so, I mean, when you look at the history and the intent of the Hatch Act, uh, I think that the people who are pushing back against this are absolutely right, saying it's about basically saying, well, you are my subordinate in the department of whatever. And therefore, I would I would strongly encourage you to take time off and go and vote for, you know, or campaign for. That's the sort of thing it was designed yeah. to prevent. Or, or, yeah, it's it's designed to. One, on the one hand, protect civil servants yeah. uh, from that kind of pressure, uh, and and two, protect sort of the the the, uh, the electorate um, from uh, civil servants, uh, you know, being overly partisan. Um, and and again, there's there's certain you know levels of exemption to different different classes of people because there are some uh, uh, government employees who you know the, the law sort of acknowledges their job is is political. So yeah. Um, yeah, but the, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'll tell you, I'm, I, I certainly wish he'd done stuff that wasn't uh, at, at the White House. Um, now, I don't know whether there was a, a way to do that. I would have to think there was, but, but I don't know. Um, and I guess the other thing that I, this, this strikes me as um, bothersome from more, from a small R Republican standpoint. And, one day we should talk about that and I should write a book about it or something. But, but the sense that um, 
you know, the Republican Party uh, evolved out of the Whig Party, and the Whig Party uh, evolved out of copying sort of the British Whig Party, which was uh, it, it uh, pushed back against the uh, aggrandizement of, of particular figures, right? Of, of the king, of the prime minister. It, it didn't. Fireworks didn't go spelling for... out your name in the sky, sort of thing. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very non Whiggish sort of thing. And, and the, the Whigs uh, in America grew out of uh, a response to Andrew Jackson. Uh, who was in in many ways and you know the, the first populist ideological predecessor, if you want to call it that, of Donald Trump. Um, and and yeah, so so from a as a from a small R Republican standpoint, uh, yes, it it rankled me that, that there's the sense that um, you know anyone who is in public office, uh, we are, are are merely caretakers, right, of something bigger than ourselves. Um, and, and it should not be, um, about candidates or, or the, the person, let's put it that way. Um, you know, certainly we can celebrate a candidate and, uh, root for him and in the convention, that's what, that's what it's all about. But, um, mixing those, those two, uh, I think is, is bothersome. Now I, I, I wouldn't go so far as, you know, you know, there are so many who, who see this as sort of like a, you know, Nuremberg rally or, or you know, again, the incipient dictatorship. I, I, I think it's it's Trump being Trump and, and, and being yeah. being kind of tacky. It's sort of the same way he puts his name in big gold letters on everything he owns. And um, it's it, it's it's bothersome, uh, I guess. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you see it as as more than than uh, tacky and bothersome? Um, no, I, I threat threat to the republic kind of level. I don't see it as a threat to the republic in and of itself, but I see it as just part of a uh, another step in the erosion of unwritten rules and norms that I think, and you and I have talked about this before, that in many ways are more important than uh, than, than legal strictures because what binds society together, what keeps us working together, is respect for those unwritten laws and norms and codes of behavior and and. The belief that in politics that there are things that are bigger than ourselves and we are public servants. And that to me is the even more so than his policies, most of which, aside from the climate change piece, which is a different story, perhaps, but most of which can be can be reversed. But my my larger concern is the potential for lasting damage to these to these norms of behavior. And that that to me is uh, one of the most troubling things about Donald Trump is. I don't think he respects that. I I haven't certainly seen any any gotten any sense of that. And I know I would expect that for you as a as a uh, true conservative that that would that would bother you quite a lot too. Yeah, there's there's a sense of there's a a um, and I won't try to say it in French uh, because I would screw <laughs> it up. But the Louis the Fourteenth yeah statement of you know, I am the I state. Am the state. Yeah. Uh, that again that that very much rankles. Um, yeah, you know what you would call conservatives or classical liberals, uh, the idea uh, that that one person is is the state. Um, yeah, you know, again, they are caretakers of of something that is is bigger, and that's uh, that's that's very much the, the Republican small mm-hmm. R Republican. It used to be, I'd say, capital R Republican tradition. Um, so I, I guess all all that. Um, 
Well, you, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, Jay, is that obviously there was a lot of focus on the law and order message, which makes sense because I think right now it's the strongest issue that Donald Trump has to run on. Now, I, I think it's important to draw distinctions, and I, I certainly in favor of parties drawing distinctions. That's what, that's what they're supposed to do. When it gets into when it gets past hyperbole into out and out fabrication, I have a problem with that. And, you know, certainly we heard the claim a number of times that Joe Biden wants to defund the police. And Joe Biden, in fact, has gone on the record saying he actually wants to give more money to the police. And so that that bothers me. It also it also bothers me in the context of when we look at, for instance, the fiscal year 2021 federal budget, which uh, the president uh, proposed in February of this year, not that long ago, actually, which calls for a decrease in federal funding to state and law enforcement of just a little over $400 million. And uh, so Joe Biden is saying that he wants to increase funding to police. And Donald Trump is not just saying, but in a budget proposal has decreased funding to police. And and, and again, I, I think that's something that will maybe <laughs> come out in debate. They still won't give him any credit. Yeah. <laughs> But but, but I, but already I do. defunded the police. Come on. No, I, well, I think we should also point out, though, that, that um, point, you know, the vast majority of, of police funding is state and local. Um, you know, it's 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 sort of the feds sort of kick in a little bit extra. And, and there's, you know, grants that then go through the state, go through the local, get uh, get directed to to police departments. But but the vast majority of funding is done at the municipal and or state level. So, yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit of a, a red herring when we're talking about the federal level. That said, I think there's a, uh, you know, the, the chief executive uh, would set a tone, right? Of, sure. Of, of whether, uh, you know, what, what support ought to be and, and could certainly use the bully pulpit to urge more or less support. Um, you know, the only, the only thing I was going to say, and this is what slipped my mind a second ago, was on the breaking of the norm. Um, and again, as a small R Republican, it troubles me because I don't want to lose that part of the party because I think it's a, it's a huge part. And it's one of those things that it's difficult to put your finger on. But but when you see it, you see it. And, and I sort of we, we saw it there. Um, I can remember being outraged back in the 90s with the Clinton fundraising in the Lincoln bedroom mm-hmm. uh, for very the same reason. Um, and. For those of you too young to remember, it was a matter of they were fundraisers. And basically, if you gave the Clinton campaign X amount of money, you could uh, uh, stay in uh, Lincoln's bedroom. Um, and, and it led to all sorts of shenanigans by celebrities and uh, sort of a, a degrading of, of what most Americans would consider sort of a, a sacred space. Um, uh, you know, and again, the, the Trump thing. <clears throat> This is less, a little, a little less, uh, less so, but but still troubling, and it it surrenders that moral high ground that I think Republicans held, yeah, um, uh, in making those kind of arguments. The other point I wanted to make, and you, know, you mentioned the president's leadership and setting a tone and that sort of thing, and of course that's something I agree with. Is I was disappointed by the lack of social distancing and masking at the public events. Now, the president has sort of changed his tone a little bit on that. But, you know, reports that you, you take a look at the at the video of, for instance, the president's acceptance speech, people were 
crammed right together. And there was, you know, there was literally no distancing. Uh, there were almost no masks. I think in big group shots, I saw one or two out of, you know, over a thousand, was it, or 1500, I think. Uh, there was no rapid testing beforehand. There were no temperature checks. Reportedly, there were no health questions. And that sort of thing sets the tone, too. And certainly, the White House could have issued masks to everyone and said, we would like you to wear these. And that would have sent a message right. and the mask as could well. could have said Trump. I mean, that yeah, would have been. Absolutely. Yeah. And people would have been happy to wear that. And that would have sent out a message to a lot of folks saying, hey, the president takes this seriously. And this would be a thing that would cost almost nothing to do, would send a message and could potentially help, you know, keep people healthy and save lives. And the fact that they chose not to do that, I just I find that. I find that it, it makes me a little sick, actually. You know, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll say on the, the mask issue, it, it's weird. And I, I would say, you know, as far as the, the Republicans who um, are making masks an issue, um, you know, pick your battles. I, I don't think this is the hill you want to die on. Um, but, yeah, there, there are some who sort of reflexively uh, see the not wearing of, of a mask as sort of a, um, a symbol of, of uh, resistance, if you will, um, whether, that's, whether that's smart or not. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I would agree with you there that uh, uh, this isn't the hill you want to fight on, and, and Trump could, uh, could do better if he had uh, gone the mask route. He might have turned off some some folks, but I, I don't think many. But I, I'm not uh, talking about this in terms of politics, Jay. I'm talking about this in terms of actually doing something that costs almost nothing that could that could potentially have an effect that would would help people in in a real way, in a non political way. And yet he chose to to not do that. So that's not about politics. That's well, about I mean, there, that's no, about there, keeping there's, people there's, healthy. Yeah, there is no. There's still the, this. Um, well, here's the thing: people are going to wear a mask, or they're not going to wear a mask. And, but that's, and I, you and I differ. You and I differ on how much the the general populace um, follows Donald Trump and does what he says or does what he uh, exemplifies. Um, so I, I, I again, I, I tend to have. I think it would have been better if he had, but I don't think there are. Well, let me let me put it to you this way: they're saying I'm not going to wear a mask because Trump didn't have them. Let, let me put rally. it let me put it to you this way then: in in a hypothetical, let's say that you're you're almost entirely right, and I'm also almost entirely wrong about the influence yes. of the president on masks. So let's say that because of if if everyone had been masked out of all the millions of people, twenty three point something million people who watched. The president's acceptance speech, slightly less than Joe Biden's speech, which may rankle the president. I don't know. But out of those 23 point something million people, let's say that there were just maybe. A hundred people who said, well, maybe I'll start wearing a mask a little more seeing that. I mean, wouldn't that be worth it? Wouldn't that be worth it in terms of even if even if, you know, one person was saved from exposure to coronavirus because of that wouldn't wouldn't that be worth it i i i suppose i guess i guess i i have trouble getting over that hurdle of um i'm going to do this or not do this because that's what the president right does. i'm not saying Don, i'm saying donald yeah, trump I, i'm saying even if we minimize president yeah. trump's i mean even if there's the potential for one person to not get coronavirus because of that wouldn't it be worth no it? i'm i don't say i we this is this would be an interesting topic just on about debating sometime because um 
I, I naturally shy away from the if just one person uh, argument because I, I think that's a um, if there's I, no cost. But I mean, if generally speaking, when yeah. we're making those arguments, we say, you know, if if right. if putting imposing this burdensome regulation would exactly. save just save just one person. And right. I agree and, with and you again, there. You have to destroy think, the economy, but it might. Yeah. But when we look at the cost of masking up every 1500 people at the president's acceptance speech, those costs are negligible. I don't know what 1500 masks cost, but it's not a whole heck of a lot, certainly. And so I would argue that this is a different situation that saving just one person or a couple of people from exposure to coronavirus at that cost, that absolutely is worth it. Okay. Well, and you would, you would though make, I would assume make the same argument for uh, like the Al Sharpton March in Washington. Yeah. And I, when I, you know, the, one of the first things I did this morning when I woke up is I pulled up the pictures and I looked at, I was curious to see, you know, what sort of, now, mask a lot of yeah, a lot of people are wearing masks, yeah. but. And that's certainly not distant. Right. And, you know, and obviously that's the nature of that. But I would think if you're going to be together for whatever reason, masking is the way to go, you know, just like people didn't. you know. And so. So, yeah, I think masks are very important. And it's a a choice the president made. And I think it's a it's a hugely disappointing choice. Moving on to our next story, obviously, the the big uh, story, non not political, uh, is the. uh, the, the rage, the riots uh, occurring in Kenosha, Wisconsin, following the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake, uh, a black man by the police. Uh, he was shot in the back seven times. Uh, protest followed uh, and the protests were quickly followed by riots, uh, which involved a, a lot of a lot of burning of um, of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, it also aroused uh, armed Counter demonstrators were, were they called themselves uh, people going out to defend uh, property, um, uh, which then, from what we can tell, uh, resulted in the, the shooting and uh, killing of, of two, shooting of three people and the killing of two. Um, uh, a young man, 17 year old Kyle uh, Rittenhouse, uh, was arrested uh, for those uh, those shootings. Um, uh, and at this point, uh, Rittenhouse appears to have been one of these people who sort of uh, self-enlisted uh, in, in this this fight. So, um, you know, Mike, what what are your thoughts um, on this as far as the, the federal response? Now, I, I would say the um, the state and local response uh, has been uh, something that would would cheer most conservatives. This was not is not what we saw in say Portland and Seattle. Uh, in this case, the local and state officials have said, listen, the, the violence has to stop. The rioting has to stop. This is not the way. If you want to protest peacefully, uh, please do so. Uh, but if you're showing up with a, a gas can uh, or or uh, a gun, that's that's not protesting peacefully. Um, so and then the, the mayor of Kenosha and the governor of Wisconsin have done that. The governor of Wisconsin um, has sent additional National Guard troops. Uh, to Kenosha and has uh, indicated that he would accept federal help. So um, where, where do we go next step, next step from, from here, Mike? Uh, a couple of things you asked me, I guess, in terms of the local response, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, comment on that first. I certainly wasn't, uh, obviously I don't think anyone was cheered by you know, video of, of Jacob Blake being shot seven times in the back. And I certainly wasn't cheered by the local response of uh, law enforcement uh, driving around uh, saying, we appreciate you guys, we really do, and handing out 
handing out water to, uh, you know, young uh, uh, vigilantes with weapons in the no, streets. No, I mean, while I, at, well, let me finish I, while at the same time, while at the same time on that same video, you can hear other law enforcement in the backgrounds telling uh, telling protesters to clear to clear the streets. I would think that if you're under a curfew, you would want law enforcement to tell everyone, especially young people with uh, with uh, rifles to get off the streets. And so that's uh, an important part of the response. And I'm incredibly disturbed by that sort of thing. Let, let me let me be clear, because when I said cheered by official responses, I meant the the mayor and the, the governor um, making statements condemning the the, the violence, um, not as as opposed to uh, in, in comparison to the the mayor of uh, mayors of Portland and Seattle. So yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that that I am cheered by by police shootings or, or anything like that. So. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't think you were. I just wanted to kind of I think that's front and center. I mean, there's the response, but the you know, there's a reason why the, why we needed a response because of the initial actions. And I think it's it. We need to focus uh, on both of those things, the initial actions, what happened and then the response. But, yeah, I agree with you that, you know, I I certainly stand with Joe Biden and, uh, you know, uh, denounce violence and looting and rioting and so forth, while still being, you know, a very strong supporter of people's First Amendment rights to assemble and protest. So going, I mean, to the the next uh, issue on that, uh, you had expressed um, concern, I know, as far as what what has Donald Trump done or said uh, uh, or not done or said uh, about Kenosha. He had tweeted uh, numerous times things about sending in troops. the typical sort of Trumpian response, um, uh, but but did not, uh, for example, I, I don't, I don't, at least as far as I can tell, you know, call for calm or or uh, express any sort of sympathy uh, with uh, with either the victim of the shooting or or you know any anyone involved really. So, um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I thought you know I would have expected even from. President Trump, some sort of pro forma statement, even if it's not on his Twitter feed, but, you know, on uh, official White House statement of uh, we, we regret the, the loss of life. And, you know, this is uh, it should be investigated, that sort of thing. But there as far as I could tell, and I, I, I looked a lot uh, as far as I could tell, there hadn't been anything uh, like that. And to me, uh, that that I think is, uh, you know, I'm not disappointed. It's, I guess I kind of expected in a way. But. That, that that wouldn't happen, I think, is a, a huge failure of leadership. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I would, you know, I wouldn't go as far as as you do. I mean, I, again, I think it's it's one of these, um, if I'm going to be really cold calculating um, and, and Machiavellian, just say, look, this is the easy political layup uh, that you're, you're, you're missing. Um, and that is to issue a statement saying, you know, listen, uh, we understand there's a, there's an issue with policing here and there needs to be an investigation. Uh, two, there was uh, another shooting uh, that may have been brought about, uh, you know, by, by this sort of civil discord that's, that's roiling our country right now. And everyone needs to step back and, and calm down and, and call for peace. That would have been ideal. Um, it, it did not happen. Uh, on the other hand, I, I, I think a president should should be cautious in terms of, of weighing in on local law enforcement issues before all the facts are in. So I, 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 I would agree that saying, 
look, uh, calling for calm and saying uh, we need a full investigation would have been uh, a way to go. Um, uh, but I, you know, so and, and he didn't didn't do that. But also, I'm I I don't think it's it's good to uh, for the president to either prejudge uh, any of these people involved uh, until the facts are in. And 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 just to be clear, there is a you know there are numerous local investigations as well as. Uh, federal civil rights investigation uh, relating to the uh, initial shooting of, of Jacob Blake. So the investigations are going forward, and that's why I say maybe it was sort of an, an easy political layup that that he missed of, of why not just say this is what we're going to do, and uh, I'm I'm for um, all citizens being being treated fairly and uh, uh, by the police and you know so forth. Um, yeah, you know, we can look at it, and we certainly do look at all these things through the, the lens of politics, but I think another way to look at this, and, and a more fundamental way to look at it, is what is the right thing to do? What is the decent thing to do? And the decent thing to do is to express sympathy. I mean, as you pointed out, law enforcement is is almost entirely a state and local sort of thing, and so what the president can do is set a tone and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, he chose, I think, for understandably clear political reasons to not do that. He he had a choice of doing the right thing or not doing the right thing, and he chose to not do the right thing. It's a choice we've seen President Trump make time and time again because, well, he is who he is. Well, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure, I guess, what what political advantage would you see? Because, uh, uh, again, I, I just said he missed the easy political layup. What, what political advantage would you see that he gained uh, by not making that kind of a statement? Well, I don't think it was a layup at all. I don't think he'd get much of an advantage from issuing some sort of a pro forma statement. Again, I'm not looking at this necessarily through the lens of politics. I'm looking at this through the lens of what would a decent human well, being you, do? You wouldn't be hassling him this morning if, if he had made it. So, No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that the first question I'm asking myself isn't a political question. It's what would we expect of a what would we expect of a decent, humane leader in this situation? And that's not a political question. That's just a human being. That's just a question of ethics. I guess, or morals. I don't know. I get him confused sometimes. But and and so I think he failed that test. And you 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 know basically came out with the sort of statement and, and that he should have said if he were a better person. And he's not a better person. And that's who we have. You know. So there we go. But in terms of the the political advantage or disadvantage, I don't really see there being much of a, a, a there might have been much of a political advantage for him to make that sort of statement, which is why I think he didn't make it. You know, because people would just see it as empty words and, you know, maybe they'd be maybe they'd be right. I would hope that in his heart, the president would have sympathy for uh, Jacob Blake and uh, the, the victims of, uh, of you know, Rittenhouse and so forth. I, I don't I can't you know see into his heart. I don't know. I hope that's the sort of person he is. But, you know, it's based on actions. It's hard to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, again, I, I would draw a, a line in, in when I say sympathy. Um, I, I think you, you would, if, if I were president, um, you would need to be careful not to say I express sympathy with uh, either Blake uh, or with the victims of Rittenhouse or with Rittenhouse or, or anyone um, simply because, you, you know, all the facts are not in yet. Um, you run the risk of there was the uh, you know, Barack Obama situation early in his administration where Professor Lewis Gates was, uh, uh, I don't know if he was arrested, uh, accosted by uh, by police when he was trying to essentially get into his own house. He had, he had locked himself out. Um, 
Uh, and, and, you know, Obama made the statement sort of, well, the police acted uh, stupidly. Uh, and of course, he, he actually, he was right. They, the police did act stupidly. Um, but uh, Obama sort of acted stupidly by, by jumping into that before all the, the facts were in. So I, 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 my only thing, and, and this is nothing to do with being a, a good human being, bad human being, uh, uh, but I, I think when we talk about expressing sympathy, you can express sympathy in terms of, uh, I understand there is an issue with law enforcement. Uh, in our country, I understand that uh, proportionally uh, excessive force, uh, at least as, as, as the perception is, is, is used more uh, against people of color. Um, and, and, you know, we need to we need to look at that and, and make the appropriate changes as opposed to saying, uh, you know, my sympathy goes out to, to Jacob Blake. Well, and you, I mean, know, you see, you see the distinction I'm trying to make because. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Yeah. And I think, well, for instance, even sticking with the law and order message, certainly the president wouldn't be prejudging by by encouraging everyone to stay off the streets. Uh, oh, exactly. Yeah. You know? No, no, and, no. I would be 100 percent with you on that. Yeah. You know? And so I, I don't really think it's necessarily about law and order, because, I mean, I mean, certainly I think he sees that as a as a vehicle. It, and and I'm, I'm I'm trying to. I think everyone deserves the benefit of the doubt, but when I look at a repeated series of actions, it's sort of hard for me not to not to come to the conclusion that on this issue, so much of what the president is doing is sort of just incredibly crass and calculated and, and motivated by nothing other than his desire to to maintain power. And I, I know that's not how you feel about these issues and how no, no, many no. But, Republicans but again, I'm, feel. I'm trying to get at the, what, what's that calculation, though, because I, I don't see the I don't see the upside. The calculation is, I think, the, the standard Trump political calculation of of whipping, whipping up his base and actually encouraging this sort of thing, hoping for more of this sort of thing, because if people can feel scared enough and feel that Joe Biden is an existential threat to their safety, that in the words of the great uh, one of the great lies of the Republican convention, no one will be safe in Joe Biden's America. If he can get enough people to believe that strongly enough, maybe he has a path to reelection. And so if that's, he's willing to, he's willing to spin that lie and, you know, and, work up that amount of unfounded fear because of, you know, that, again, that crass political calculation. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm still not, I'm still not seeing uh, how it helps, but we will, we'll move on to our next, uh, next story. And this is something you and I uh, went back and forth a couple times on Facebook uh, over, over last week is the phenomenon of uh, Republicans for Biden. Um, uh, Most notably uh, John Kasich, who spoke at the democratic national convention. other uh, high, high prominent uh, I guess Republicans, we'd say, would be uh, Christine Todd Whitman, uh, former governor of, of New Jersey, uh, Meg Whitman, who would have been a presidential candidate, uh, uh, New York, uh, former New York Congresswoman Susan Molinari, um, uh, and, and the list goes on. Uh, Colin Powell, uh, who I believe that he had, he had appeared at the Obama convention, or at least before. Um, uh, but setting aside, your your sense is that this is uh, significant uh, and a, a big deal. My my sense is is less so. So let's hear your side first. Well, I guess you know I wanted to ask you as a as a Republican. I this is 
there, there are always, as you've pointed out on Facebook, you can always find instances of, of somebody from the president's party, the incumbent president's party, who does not support him. Uh, you know, and you've, you've mentioned a number of those instances throughout history. But what is unprecedented here is the, the number of these people in this instance, the, just the size of this dissent, you know, with over, over 20 former Republican members of Congress who've announced open support for Biden, over 70 former national security officials, including two former CIA directors who were under Republican administrations. And as you said, the list goes on and on. And so I think that the question that all Republicans all reasonable Republicans, and that's you, should be asking themselves is, why are so many of these people, people that I respect, because I know, Jay, that you you are a, you have a great deal of respect for John Kasich. You mentioned you voted yeah. for him in the 2016 primaries. He would have been your probably one of your first choices for president. And so why, in terms of, before we get into the effect, I, I want to ask you as a Republican, why do you think so many of these people, especially a number of a large number of people that you have a great deal of personal respect from, why are they not only declining to endorse the president of their own party, but are actively endorsing the president or the candidate of the the other party? Why do you think that well, is, Jay? I, I think I think we'd have, we'd have to break it down because to some extent, all these people are going to have different reasons. Uh, there are some who who we can say are probably motivated by purely by patriotism, uh, that they do feel that uh, Donald Trump is is bad for the country and Joe Biden would be better. Um, there are those who, and I would I would put uh, Governor Kasich in this in this basket to borrow a, a or binder, uh, whatever I don't know, yeah, <laughs> yeah basket or binder. Um, I mean, listen. I mean, and and you're right. I, I, my my political evolution. Uh, I mean, goes back 20 years to um, uh, John Kasich uh, spoke to my intern class uh, when I started at the state house, and and John Kasich was a former state house intern, and you know, uh, and and I've I've met uh, Kasich on a number of occasions, heard him speak countless times. Uh, he is. Truly, an inspiring uh, speaker, and I think he's a straight shooter. Um, he also, though, is has has a, a I guess we call it sort of a Trumpian vanity kind of streak. Um, and after the, the primary, during the primary, uh, he he focused uh, to a large extent uh, less on on governing the state of Ohio and more of being this, the anti-Trump Republican, and which he's still done. And I get these emails from his organization uh, blasting Trump just about every other day. Um, and, and as much as I, I do admire uh, John Kasich, I, I really think some of this is uh, it's personal um, that uh, he feels he was personally wronged by Donald Trump and he's going to uh, keep doing, you know, he's, he's going to, he's going to push back. Now it's, it's also not at all uh, unusual. In fact, it, it happens all the time where, Someone's personal feelings happen to line up with, uh, and this is what's good for the country. Um, in fact, the, you know, the more I've been around politics, the more I see that. <laughs> Someone of like, uh, listen, it's not just uh, my personal feelings, but this is absolutely the best, uh, the best thing we need to do. So, I, I'm, you know, to say there's there's one motivation, I think oversimplifies it. 
Um, in terms of a lot of the, you know, the former national security folks, I mean, take a look at what, what Trump has done. He has, uh, you know, this is the establishment and he has run against the establishment. So I, to me, it's, it's not, uh, whether you call it the establishment or whether you call it the swamp, um, it, it's not surprising that uh, those folks uh, in the, the national security, the diplomatic establishment uh, would, would oppose him. Right. Uh, and there's, there's a third um, group of, of folks. Well, and I'll put some of these national establishment people in there. And I, I wish Kristen were on here to, to weigh in on, on this too, because a lot of folks um, uh, after you're out of the diplomatic or national security apparatus, uh, you still have security clearances. And you can make quite a, a lucrative uh, uh, living for yourself uh, doing various consulting. Um, and uh, I, I think there are a lot of those folks who listen. If if the establishment is out of power, their consulting services are uh, in less uh, less demand. Um, so there's there's that. And and again, I'm I'm not saying that people do this purely out of oh I'm going to support Biden because there's more money in it, but. but but there is there is a, a um, uh, an alignment uh, again of one's one's personal um, personal well being and uh, what they see as good for the country. Yeah. Um, and likewise, there are some other folks in the Republican Party who I think see this, and this is again not. Uh, I don't mean to, to denigrate them to say this, um, but would like to purge the Trumpian influence from the Republican Party. Again, they're more establishment folks. Um, and would love to see, uh, you know, Trump go down in flames, and that opens the door to a uh, restoration of the, of the Republican Party. And I, I would love to see a restoration of the Republican Party. So I'm not, I'm not faulting them uh, on that. But uh, I, I don't think we can just say uh, every Republican uh, or or person who served in a Republican administration. Um, you know, it's, it's pure, pure patriotism. And, and I'm not saying it's not patriotism, but. Sure. Uh, I mean, in, in the uh, vast what I'm saying is there, there are mixed motives for all of these, these folks. Sure. Um, and if, if we're being uh, appropriately skeptical uh, of, of both parties, we, sh- we should always look at that. You know, listen, it's, it's politicians act in what they perceive to be their, their best, so their, their self-interest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to point out that the vast majority of all Republicans will vote to reelect Donald Trump uh, in that vein. But has all of this, I mean, you know, when you were talking about the establishment uh, people and views and that sort of thing, you know, it struck me that a lot of what you were saying reminded me of what I take to be your views as a Republican. And so oh, yes. I, I've, I've got to wonder then, has, has all of this given you pause, made you at least think about how you're going to be voting or are you just pretty much, you know, has your mind been, been uh, in alter? No, it, it ha- no, it has, it has given me pause. And I'll, and I'll tell you the sort of the funny things because the, the stuff that, that Trump does that, you know, we always get the question, the viewer, the, uh, the listener mail question about what could Trump do that would really upset Jay. Um, and it's, it's weird stuff like the <laughs> asking that demanding that the government get a finder's fee for the, <clears throat> the uh, TikTok sale. Um, it's it's bizarre stuff like that that it's it's so completely uh against the the free market ethos that that brought me to the, the Republican party uh it's the tackiness of the uh, uh you know fireworks behind the the Washington monument 
it's it's that kind of stuff it it's the um and also it's also just the um uh dumb showboating sort of uh uh stuff that that you you blow good political chances to get stuff done mm-hmm. um so it, those are all things that trouble me and you know john case's speech um you know you you sent me the transcript and i, I looked through it and uh, look, I would agree with with you know a good ninety five percent of what's what Kasich says. Yeah. Um, but the one statement he made where 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 we disagree um, is he says that uh, in, in discussing Joe Biden, he talks about other Republicans and he says they fear Joe may turn sharp left. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't I, believe that. I thought you would. I thought you would yeah. pull that one out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, that's John, that's, that's, you know, <laughs> that, that's where we differ. Um, um, I, I do believe uh, Joe would term sharp, sharp left. And let me um, ask you this, Jay, uh, because it seems to me if we, the best way to get a sense of who a person is, is to look at what they have done throughout their life. And like, for instance, if we take a look at what Donald Trump has done throughout his life, you know, in the public eye and as a business person, his presidency really doesn't come as much of a surprise. There's a clear right. this is exactly continuity. What, exactly as advertised. And when I look back at Joe Biden's career in public life, which is essentially his adult life, right, because he has a long record, he has been a pretty center-left Democrat, sort of, I mean, fairly moderate Democrat. In fact, a lot of progressives were very upset about Joe Biden because of his things like voting for the crime bill and taking more conservative sort of stances and the whole Anita Hill thing. And so it seems to me that Joe Biden's 30 plus years in public life and that extensive record. It's hard to look at that and not say this is a pretty mainstream centrist Democrat. And so I think it's it, then if we believe that people's past actions are the best sign of what their future actions are going to be, and I think most people would agree with that, the evidence would suggest that Joe Biden, that, that, that John Kasich is right, and Joe Biden is who we think he is, and not who Donald Trump and uh, many Republicans are, are making, us, making us want to believe who he is. And so I was wondering what you think about that. Yeah, no, and... and- I would say that's that was sort of the view that I would have had of Joe Biden a year ago. Um, the but the other way to look at Biden's career is uh, he was centrist, middle of the road, uh, sort of center left uh, when his party was center left, um, and now their times have changed and there he is he has renounced some of those positions. Right? Uh, he said, "Well, he shouldn't have voted for the crime bill." and uh, well, he should have been tougher on uh, uh, Clarence Thomas. Um, you know, so uh, there there is a sense that, and, and he also he he created this this document, right? This hundred page policy document, which he says this is what he's running on. Uh, much of it is a a you know Green New Deal, uh, albeit pared back a little bit. But he did this in consultation with uh, AOC, with with the uh, far left of his party. Um, well, let, let's be clear. Let me let me just before you go. Let let let's be clear. It's not like he's he is building his agenda based on what the far left wants. Certainly, he is consulting with all parts of the Democratic uh, constituency. 
but I think it would be misstating facts to say that AOC, who got what, like 60 seconds, 30 seconds, I don't know, some uh, blink of amount of time at the convention, that uh, that she and the, the squad are dictating policy to the Biden campaign. But she she was she's in she was uh, in charge of his um, environmental task force, the policy task force that went into putting together his his platform. Um, yeah, and, and if you I look at that platform trouble, and right? compare it to the Green New Deal, it's not just a pared back Green New Deal. It's a it's a very different sort of plan. It has a lot right. of things well, that I mean, the Green New Deal can, proponents would just that blanch at for, for them themselves. Uh, it, it's still uh, it still has pretty ambitious goals of uh, you know zero carbon emissions by I want to say yeah. was it. Is it in, in fifteen years, I think, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and yeah, no, it, certainly it is. Which, and which I are will, which are dra- to me, I, I, that's that's drastic, I, and I, you know, that I, that is radical. So, um, that's I, that's why Joe Biden gives me gives me pause, um, because I'd like to believe that. It, and quite honestly, look, if this was, you know, back back in the day, um, like when when Bill Clinton was elected uh, the first time, I. I sort of yawned. I was like, yeah, all right. Uh, Bill Clinton looked the second time. Yeah. I, I did not have strong feelings. And, and, and look, if this was a, a Bill Clinton character, if this was even a, a Michael Dukakis uh, character, if we were in that kind of a moment, um, to me, it, it would, it would not. Uh, what do you mean by that? I'm curious. But, but, but I, 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 I think there are, there are big forces out there. Um, that that are detrimental to our, our country, and, and a lot of it is the sort of the, the neo Marxism, the identity politics, that's that's sort of become become you know the core right of, of the left wing of the Democrat Party, and I, I'm not sure that he would push back against that. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it, it it could be the you know Nixon goes to China type type thing, but yeah, I I, I have not seen that yet. Well. And I, I know we're we're running short. You mentioned the China thing, and that's something oh, yeah. I was I was hoping we'd get to today. But you know, I think what we'll probably do is we can have a more extended conversation of that because I want to say before we do close that the China issue is one that perhaps gives me the greatest amount of pause, and one that I I think perhaps the Trump administration maybe is taking a a, a stance on. Uh, of all the things that I could potentially be in favor of with the Trump administration, there are too many, right? It's a very small. You're coming around. The China, that's that's a pretty big concern. And again, well, let's talk about that on our midweek show, because I think that's sure. a hugely important issue. And, uh, you know, we also can talk about some other things as well. Maybe the uh, the House vote on the Postal Service and also some of my uh Crazy, interesting plans to reform our our system. I have some ideas about uh, about voting and about making the house much larger. That I know Jay just uh, has some very strong. I don't know. You might on. be surprised. You might yeah. be surprised by, by anyway. Out of so all of that will be there. If you're a supporter, it'll be there in your midweek feed. And if you're not a supporter, uh, just go to Patreon.com/slash/PoliticsGuys and you can become a supporter. Or if you can't afford to, again, just email me Mike at PoliticsGuys.com and I will get you all set up. And 
something that everyone can do that matters a lot to us is subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and especially sharing uh, the show on social media. That really is a big deal, and we would appreciate it. And again, if you want to get in touch with us, ask, ask us a question, correct us, or what have you, mail at politicsguys.com. And please do check out our Bipartisan Politics subreddit the URL you'll find in the show notes. Also, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash politicsguys page, and we are on Twitter at Politics Guys. The executive producers of the Politics Guys are Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andra Masker, Daniel Toe, Chris Wilkerson, and Nathan Sosnowski. We'll be back with a new show next week. We hope you'll join us.